Welcome to In Conversation With, where we talk to the key figures in and around community pharmacy. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and in this edition I talk to Alex Norris MP, the Shadow Pharmacy Minister, about the sector's failing financial model, its unrealised potential, and the controversial hub-and-spoke legislation currently going through Parliament. His message to the government was very clear. Mess with a trusted and adaptable network at your peril. The interview was recorded on July the 1st and first appeared on Pharmacy Magazine's Talking Pharmacy podcast. Alex, thanks for joining us on the pods and congratulations on your appointment as a Shadow Health Minister in Keir Starmer's first opposition front bench. For those of our listeners outside Nottingham North who may not know you so well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your political career to date. Oh, great. Well, I, yeah, as, as, as you mentioned, I'm a member of Parliament in Nottingham. I'm actually originally from Manchester myself, a big Manchester City fan, uh, which at this time, time of the year we normally wouldn't be talking about, but because of what's going on, we still are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, so I represent uh, my part of Nottingham, where I've lived for, for the last nearly 20 years. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the more challenged communities in the country, so there's an awful lot to do. Uh, prior to my election in 2017, uh, I was on my council for six years, and I led for health and social care for the for for the pro, for, for most of that. Um, previously worked for Unison, the trade union, again in the health sector. So I've been in and around uh, the health and social care sector for for a long time now. I'm very passionate about it. Uh, I was thrilled that that Keir uh, gave me the chance to be on a health team at a time like this. Uh, I took that as a quite a big compliment, to be fair, because he only wanted. The, the, I think people who really were going to get the job done well at a time like this because we, we, we need to. Um, I was previously in the whips before that and I wasn't sorry to stop being a whip because it's, uh, it's not, not really the fun side of politics, frankly. So, so that's me, really. I, you know, I, I'm covering public health, I'm covering primary care and covering prevention. Uh, I come with a lot of views on public health because I've spent a lot of my life working on public health. Uh, less so, frankly, on primary care. So I'm working my way around the sector, whether that's pharmacy, whether that's dentistry, general practice, ophthalmology, trying to draw on the views of experts and and uh, and trying to get to a position where we're articulating what they need from the opposition, really. So what's your vision for community pharmacy then, from what you've learnt so far in the role? Well, I think if we're handing out, you know, we've been in this incredible situation for months and months and months now that None of us could have even foreseen, you know, Christmas. We would just wouldn't have believed it. Uh, but if we're handing out sort of person of the match awards, we'd we'd be starting with pharmacy because actually we talk about a world where nothing's been the same. But pharmacy, more probably more than anywhere else, actually has continued. That model has continued. That it's the one place left where people still can just go to it and to try and access the the, the care and the support they need. Um, so. That you know that uh, that needs to be recognised, and you know we need it's it's a, a real a show of just how much people value pharmacy. So what happens now in the next phases of COVID, but going on into the future, has to recognise that pharmacy is an absolute anchor in our communities, uh, and we 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 change that, or we mess around with that, or we don't support that at our absolute peril. So how do you think that that pharmacy has coped with the? The COVID crisis. I mean, you've given a pretty good uh, idea there, but uh, how impressed it's, have you been with the, the sector's resilience, if, if anything else? It's incredible. You think of those, you know, more than a million interactions a day. 
because we all know, you know, we obviously your your uh, your readers and you know this better than I do. But I've, I've visited through my three years as MP and my time on the council. You go to pharmacy because it's such an important community hub, and they are exclusively. You, know, you might have a bit of a frontage area that's got a bit of bit more room, you know, attractive spacing. But in the back around the cabinets, there's never any room for two meter social distancing in the back of a pharmacy, or certainly not certainly not in community pharmacy. So um, the, the fact that you know the pharmacy and pharmacists have been able to be so resilient and so adaptable to keep the doors open, to keep those vital services going, I just think it's incredible. Um, and you know. It, and then finding new ways to innovate so that those people who couldn't come and were shielding would still get the access to, to what they needed as well. You know, I think it's been one of the really, really big success stories. And, and at a time when we certainly have to not fall into this trap as an opposition, it's easy to find the things that haven't gone well. But we can't lose in that the things that have gone spectacularly well and, and to recognise that. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think pharmacy is one of those things. Yeah, I'm sure pharmacists would, would, would appreciate those sentiments, Alex, that they really have risen to the occasion um, under you know, extreme pressure, actually. Do you think that more should have been made of pharmacy, though? I mean, thinking of perhaps track and trace or getting them involved in, in, in antibody testing, is the kind of government wasting the opportunity to, to utilise the sector to a greater extent in relation to COVID? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think... Um... You know, without wanting to get their defence in for them, when you're doing things that are for the first time and, and you know, are at, at speed, then there is a temptation to go big and national. And this government, certainly we know, and, you know, this is ultimately this is the way they believe things are, are best done, and I would contest this, but, you know, they think big national private companies. You, you send for Serco, if in doubt, send for Serco. And I think it's answering the question entirely the wrong way around. That actually, if you're trying to sort, if, if you're trying to tackle something like this, and you know, an, an unseen enemy that exists throughout all our communities, you start at your community level. You build on what you already have. So certainly around test and trace, you know, you build around local authority, public health. That seems an obvious place to start. They're already doing that. I think there's, I think there's just a lack of understanding at uh, certainly a ministerial level, but in Nottingham. If there's a Legionella outbreak, we're already managing those things. If there's gonorrhea outbreak, we're already managing those things. And this is on a bigger scale, but it's the same principles. And I think the same thing applies to pharmacy as well. So if, if you're trying to reach people, well, you go to, you go to the places where people go. And pharmacy is one, you know, one of the absolute top places like that. If you want to make mass contact with the population, well, where makes more contact with the population than pharmacy does? So it is, as you say, if it is antibody testing, if it's brief interventions, if it's challenging and encouraging around masks whatever you want it to be who are those people that have trusted conversations on a day-to-day basis with pharmacists uh, pharmacists and their staff so you know I, I would be building up from that that way myself but frankly it's not too late to do that um this is we're going to live with this for multiple years certainly any side of any this side of any vaccination we're going to live with this in some way now i'd hope it wouldn't be like it is you know at the moment it has been in previous months but so we, we need to use those those places, those trusted places and those places that people come into contact every day. And, and obviously pharmacy is just such an obvious one there. Yes, and that's a very good point. If You mentioned vaccination. And if we, we do eventually have a vaccine for this, then it would be good to think that, that pharmacy uh, could get involved in that because you're going to need mass coverage pretty quickly. And, and pharmacy very successfully runs flu vaccination services, for instance. So, Well, absolutely. You know, where's trusted... Where's experienced and where where do people come in? 
what feel comfortable coming to contact on a daily basis with pharmacy. So absolutely should be a, you know an absolute core part of of of, a, of what will be obviously a very a desire for a very rapid rollout mm. of, of vaccination. So. If Labour came into power at the next election, and, and I know we're, we're looking at, you know, four years hence, um, but let, let's imagine that, that Labour are in power and, and you're the pharmacy minister, what would be your immediate priorities for the sector? I mean, would you seek to reverse the pharmacy funding cuts, for example? Yeah, I mean, uh, we are four years away um, from, from an election. I am still getting my feet under the desk, so I couldn't make that commitment today. However... What I do know is from having conversations, you know, whether it's with industry bodies or with individual uh, pharmacy, pharmacists, community pharmacy in my, in my own community, that the funding model doesn't work has been chipped away at. You know, I know that people find it very upset. I, I share this, this sort of upset at this idea. The government talk about money that they've, they've, they've put into pharmacy to deal with this crisis, which is actually only in advance on, on monies that would be coming anyway. I think that's a little insulting, frankly. Um, so the contracting model, you know, has been whittled away at. And the, the thing that I'm most concerned about, and certainly in the, in the current context, but in any crisis at all, this would be the case, was how, how much there's a sense that they feel that, that community pharmacy, especially but pharmacy in general, is cross-subsidised by other aspects of the business in order to make the scripts and the dispensing stand up. Well, that doesn't work. You know, at the end of the day, that, that is a testament to the... Um, to the ingenuity, ingenuity, the creativity, and the sheer desire to keep going from um, from leaders in in the industry, um, but that's not a model that works. And you know, a sort of a healthcare model that's built on sand. You know, we see the same in dentistry. Um, a healthcare model that's built on the, in the sand that way will not weather challenging times like this. So we've got to have a proper. We've got to, you know, I, I, you know. I've, talk to to the minister i shadow they need to get back around the table and have a proper look at the contracting um and that certainly would be something i'd be very keen to do certainly with both pharmacy and dentistry on on day one if i was given the chance to do it yes and of course uh, psnc are, are are pushing hard to have that that advance uh, as you call it um kind of rescinded really or, or wiped off and actually to cover the costs the increased costs of um dealing with the covid crisis for pharmacy so we, we we'll see how successful they they are um, no news yet though from the treasury no. um and how concerned are you though and you've you've talked about this before you've warned that you know we're heading perhaps towards an amazon style pharmacy service with hub and spoke and things like this, putting vital community pharmacies at risk, really. So how concerned are you about that? And, and what would you do to protect traditional bricks and mortar community pharmacies? Yeah, I am very concerned. I was talking to a colleague the other day about it, um, as I often do. And, and they said to me, you're in danger of starting to get a bit boring about this, Alex. <laughs> but I make no apologies for this, because this is really, really fundamental. And we've just been doing the common stages of a pretty small Brexit-related bill called the Medicines and Medical Devices Bill. And that's just about essentially taking European regulations and transplanting them into British law and then giving the Secretary of State the power to update them. So, so far, so sensible. Um, But within that, nowhere on the face of the bill, nowhere on the legislation that that was in front of of Parliament... um, but on the impact assessment, the government, you know, the government write an impact assessment for each bit of legislation, say what they think will happen as a result. Why, why do we need to do this law and what will happen? 
and buried in there was well this will then this gives the sector state the powers to move to a hub and spoke model now there are arguments on both sides of this i've talked to my psnc i've talked to psnc nationally i've talked to uh, i've talked to uh, those who wish to be deliverers i spoke to community pharmacy i've spoken to lots and lots of people about this and it is you know it's clearly a contested space um but the idea that you slip it through buried in a very obscure bit of paperwork around legislation, I just think it's fundamentally wrong. So I've been trying, taking every opportunity to try and raise that. And the government have got a majority of parliament, so they're going to get that legislation. And, you know, the minister's effusive on what a great thing this is to do. And, and her, her take and, and Matt Hancock's take is that this is um, a levelling of the playing field. And actually, there's a lot of merit in that argument. You know, the idea that and I, I would always mention Boots because I'm from Nottingham. But, you know, boots, have, boots can do this and have done this for a long time and that's how they're set up. So wouldn't it be nice if we could make sure community pharmacy can compete on an equal footing? And again, actually, I've got a lot of sympathy with that argument. However, I also know that when I talk to community pharmacy and their representatives, that's not quite how they think this will work. And I know that when, when you talk about pairing with a delivery partner, which again, is a good thing. And, and that idea that, you know, the community pharmacy is excluded from doing that on, on, on technical regulations, you know, that, I think that, that does merit revisiting. But actually, we do know that those who wish to deliver actually wish to dispense as well as deliver. And that is a very, very fundamental change. And that completely changes what our pharmacy and community pharmacy on my road is going to be doing. And then you start to, you're not very long, far away from actually you're talking about pharmacies that won't have any, that won't have basically anything other than over-the-counter stuff in, 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 in the, on the site. And that is a big change. And I would not want to do that without really fully knowing the ramifications of that. Because I know, and it's, it's the sort of that, that, I forget the phrase, but, but the, that reverse irony of, of, of living in a poor community, as, as me and my neighbours do, that the best shops on our high streets are our pharmacies. You know, that we're very, very well served. Um, and I wouldn't want to mess with that unless I really knew what that would mean. Um, so, you know, my, my commitment in that, we've got a little bit of time. The government clearly are minded to do this. Um, so I'm, I'm seeking to engage as far and wide with people across all the aspects of the argument to try and get to a place where, where I can advocate, you know, a way forwards that, that is, is, is a sensible one. The sort of, the, the, the thing I know, you know, because it's something in opposition, opposition's lonely and hard because you lose all the time. Um, but, the one thing I know on this issue is, and they don't know yet, and I said, I said this at every stage of the bill, my colleagues do not know what is coming down the mountain of them here. But the one thing I know for certain is it is coming. Every one of us, it's very rare you can say this, every one of us will get emails, lobbying, um, you know, contact from people we trust and value in our community on this issue. This isn't one of those issues there will be two or three people taking an interest in. Lots of people will, and lots of people that we know are anchors in our community. So they're not yet ready to get excited about this, and they might start to think I'm a bit boring about this, but they will. That's one thing I know for sure. Hub and Spoke has been a, a live issue in the, in the sector for, for many years now. As you say, there are arguments for and against, but uh, one thing's for sure, um, pharmacy will be looking very closely at how this, this legislation proceeds. Absolutely. And just to finish up, Alex, um, when was the last time you, you went into a pharmacy? Uh, so, let me think. Um, I've been in, it wouldn't have been last week, it would have been the week before I went to my local one to pick some over-the-counter meds. I'll, I'll be honest, I wanted to have a little look. I mean, like you do in all aspects of life, certainly once um, with re- the stuff that's opening up next week, I want to see what people are doing, what, what, what things are in place. And as usual, you know, pharmacy in my community is doing an excellent job.
That's good to hear. And it's good to see you, you out of the boat and into pharmacies. I think uh, that's something we're very keen to promote and pharmacy is very keen to promote just to have MPs and, and, and health spokespersons and shadows, etc. Just going in and see what it's like at the front line um, and seeing the fantastic work that pharmacy is doing. So that's well, my, great. My local, my local, sorry, just to just yeah, to yeah. Go on. My, lo- my local, my local LPC is great at that. Always has been, um, and you know, I would encourage others to keep doing that because if you ask MPs to go, they will go. It might not be on a short timeline, but in fact, you know, and again, for anybody, any you know, listening there, if 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 you invite an MP to come to to your shop or whatever, uh, they will come on on a long enough timeline. They will. I mean, that might be slightly different if you. Your MPs, the Prime Minister or the Foreign Secretary, but in general, uh, they will, and they'll be really glad to be asked, and they'll be really interested to come. They'll want to hear about, you know, whether it's automation and and the the sort of machinery you're using. If not, if, if that's the direction you're going, they'll want to know about brief advice. They'll want to know about uh, flu. They'll want to know about smoking cessation services. They'll be genuinely interested because these things are so important to us. So please do do invite them because it's then great for us in Parliament because we're having much more informed conversations. That's good advice there, Alex. And I suppose to, to be absolutely fair, we, we have seen uh, Sir Simon Stevens and Matt Hancock in pharmacies recently. But I, I, I think absolutely. that's uh, a fair reflection, really, of, of perhaps pharmacy rising up the agenda a little bit in recognition of the, the great work that they've done during covid so thanks, Alex, very much for joining us on the pod. It's been great thanks to talk to you uh, and to hear your views. And uh, we shall follow you closely um, in the next four years. And we'll see where we are in four years' time. Alex Norris, thank, thank you very you. much. Cheers.